you so thankful that you accepted that blood and the blood was applied and now death has to pass over you you can no more die than God can die those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost amen he's such a good God to us isn't he amen I'm thankful for the service this morning just appreciated the word and the depth of it and just enjoying how how great God is. You know, I was fellowshiping with a young man yesterday morning. We were just talking about those things, how God who created the heavens and earth and came down and created all the different bugs and different things that we don't even understand and we can't understand how it's all created and the human body even built his way up to what he considered the pinnacle of his creation and his own image created he them. And when he got down to that, we still don't understand the fullness of that. We've studied the human body inside and out, and still it's amazing to scientists and great men. But to God, he just spoke and said, let there be. And in all of that, he knows your name. It's not just that he knows there's a human race somewhere that he loves, and there's some people somewhere, but he knows your name. He knows the hairs of your head. He knows how many times you bat your eye. Amen. Talk about love. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. We could. I always enjoy just watching Brother Ray sing, listening to it. and You just sing all night sometime, Brother Ray. We'll just sit back and enjoy it and worship the Lord with you. Amen. Turn to the Bible in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I could have asked if there was a need, 
But Lord, your word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Even when we look and say we're doing just okay or we're doing fine, you know the deepest thoughts. Father, we just want to come so humbly before you tonight. and We love to worship and to sing. But Father, more than anything, we love your word. We love your, your anointing, O oh God, that when you would come and inhabit the praises of our lips, Lord, that it wouldn't just be that we sing wonderful words of life, but Lord, that you would come, that you would be pleased, that it would be a sweet savor unto you, that there would be vials full of the prayers of the saints, Lord. And Father, that it would be pleasing into your presence, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that you just come, take the few thoughts you've given me and anoint them to the hearer. Lord, may you meet the needs that you know to be present, Lord. The ones that are not present, the ones that may be streaming, or perhaps the ones that are not able to stream, but they are needy of you. You know them, Father, by name, Lord Jesus. You know where they're at, O oh God. You know their need and their desire. Father, you know those that are yours, and you will not lose one. Father, they're in your hand, and no one can pluck them out. So no matter the situation, all things are under your control. And Lord God, nothing happens by chance, but by the, uh, the leadership and the appointment of the Almighty God. Father, we thank you for this blessed assurance. Lord, I surrender myself now. and I lay down this, this life, this gift, Lord, my tongue, my energy, my body, for your glory, Lord, that you would use it, Lord, that you would strengthen the body of Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, I commit it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. May the Lord have his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. If you keep your Bibles open in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, we'll just read a couple more verses. And it says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Let's jump back for one moment to verse 5, if you will, Sister Ruth, where it says that your faith should not stand on the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. I want you just to consider tonight the wisdom. And I asked my wife this morning, I said, pray for me. I feel led to speak on wisdom tonight. And I don't feel like I'm much of a wise person. So, you pray for me too. I, we'll just trust in the Lord. But you know, there's, there's two types of wisdom. One is the wisdom of man, or worldly wisdom. And the other one is the wisdom of God. Or God's wisdom. And they're, they're very contrasting to one another. Man's wisdom goes so far, but it cannot go into the eternity. It cannot go into eternal realms. It stops at the fathomable or the tangible things. The things that can be comprehended in the first four dimensions. But we found that, that that's as far as man can go. And there is two 
things that, that really contrast. Brother Branham says in Wisdom versus Faith, he says, now we find there's two factions, one or sources. One wisdom, the other one faith. And very ver- versed one, they, and they versed one another since creation in the Garden of Eden. And he says in the next statement, now there is children on both sides. So he begins to talk ever since the Garden of Eden. He's talking about there was two trees in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of life and there was the tree of knowledge of both good and evil. The tree of life considered that to be a tree of faith. They were told if you, you can eat of this tree, you eat of it, Brother Brandon would say they would have life, eternal life. But this other one, if you eat of it, the tree of knowledge, that day you would surely die. And that had to be believed out of simple faith. As long as they believed those words and lived by those words, they had eternal life. But as long as they stopped believing them or accepted a different wisdom, then they were, they were going to partake of the other tree. And that was exactly what uh, Satan came and the serpent to, to Eve with. He didn't come with faith. He came with wisdom. He said, well, don't you desire to be as God's? Don't you desire to be as wise as God is? Don't you desire to have more wisdom to understand these things? My men today are still going on that tree where they want to understand things to the minutest detail of what God is. And we heard this morning how many species of butterflies and beetles and different things and how many species they think there is versus how many they've discovered. That's the wisdom of man that they want to try and understand it to the minutest detail. And they got their microscopes and their pictures and their flasks and their different things. Why? Because that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That they want to try and understand God to a level where they feel comfortable, but God never asked for that. God said, just to believe my word that I created these things, Adam, I created them for you. I created this garden for you so you could just have dominion over it. Not so that you could understand it, but so that you could speak the word. So you could say, Leo the lion, come over here and I want to spend some time with you so I could say to this tree, be moved over here. So I could say to this, I don't have to understand the mechanics behind it, Adam. You just need to understand that you have dominion over it. I've given it to you. It's yours. Amen. But Satan came with his own wisdom to try and and pollute man's ideas and try and pollute it to a point where, you know, you can understand it greater than that. And that's been the trap of the devil down through the ages to try and understand something on a greater level than what God has already described. Because God said that whosoever believeth, God so loved the world, he, saved, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe on him would have everlasting life. And there's been man tried to create doctrines around different things to try and say you have to believe this. And you have to believe that. And you've got to see it this way. And you've got to see it that way. Why? Because man has come with their wisdom to say we can believe it beyond what, 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 what God has told us to believe. And God always identifies his word in its season. God always brings it and vindicates it, what he is, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it is Christ, it'll do the same thing that Christ has always done. Amen. If it is the word, it'll produce the same thing the word has always produced. It won't change. So you find that's when it brings to the, comes to the ideas of man is when they had their own wisdom to say, if we just camp around this one little doctrine, or we just stop around 
around this one little thing, then that's going to be it. But if it stops producing the life or the power of God, then you find that it's no longer the Word. It's no longer believing on Christ. It's believing the ideology of man or the wisdom of man. Brother Branham would see, see these two trees. They come up from Eden. Here, here they are. They come right up. Those two spirits come right on up just as fundamental. You see what I mean? They are fundamental. They believe God. They worship God. They go to church. They pay tithes. They sacrifice. They believe the whole Bible. But they deny the power of God. To speak with tongues, to shout, to interpret, oh, to have signs and wonders and healings. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. The Bible says, from such, turn away. That's what he's talking about. That's the idea where the tree of knowledge of good and evil has gone in a Christian realm where it's come to, oh, we believe the Bible. We believe everything. We go to church. We believe in paying tithes. We believe in the blessings. That's where prosperity doctrine comes from. We pay our tithes. We pay our offerings. God blesses us in return, and God will make me prosperous. We do all these things for God. God will make me prosperous. God will make me prosperous. They're trying to believe what they take as the whole Bible, but it's the wisdom of man. When God said you can't deny the power of it. You can't deny the life behind it. And if there is one that denies it, turn away from it. Don't follow after that way. But notice again how Jesus overcame the world systems of religion. He was repeatedly badgered by the theologians of his day. He constantly applied the word. He spake only what the Father gave him to speak. There is not a time when the world was not utterly confused by his wisdom, for it was the wisdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. There's your contrast of faith. There's a wisdom of man. Where wisdom of man, it's reasoning and it's understanding and it makes sense to the mind. But if there's a spirit of God in you, there's something in the heart that goes beyond the understanding of the mind and the intellect of the spirit or of the mind. Amen. And we find that the wisdom of man, it works on that realm and it makes sense. And you begin to understand things on an intellectual level. But the wisdom of God goes beyond that to the world. It's confusing because the world could look at it in Joshua's day and say, why is there the sun has been standing right there for 36 hours? It hasn't moved. It's been there. The moon's still over there. What's going on? Are our sundials broken? What's happening? Why is it going on? What's happening? Could you imagine someone 5, 10, 15 hours away from where the battle's going on? They got no idea what's happening. There's several days journey and they're just going, I, I told my wife on the way here, I said, imagine the people on the other side of the earth that wake up in the middle of the night like, man, I feel like I've slept a long time. And it's still dark outside. It's still the middle of the night. To man's wisdom, they couldn't make sense of it. They said, something's wrong here. But that was God's wisdom. When a man needed more time to defeat the enemy, God just said, fine, whatever you say. And he said, I'll stop the sun here. I'll stop the moon here. Oh, I love this scripture because here it just so obliterates the wisdom of man because the wisdom of man is that you've got to stop the earth. He spoke wrong. How could God honor that when he spoke wrong? Because it's the earth that goes around the sun, not the sun around that. And oh, he can stop the moon, but not the sun. And we'd fall out. Oh, 
all of the wisdom of man, it goes so far, but the wisdom of God goes beyond that. He was, he was applying or he was, he was asking or he was speaking to the creator, not the creation. He wasn't looking at the creation saying, would you mind? He was speaking to the creator saying, hey, you made this. You tell it to stop. I don't care how it works. You gave me dominion over this, so I'm just going to tell it what to do. That's the wisdom of God. It's confusing to man. They couldn't understand it when he said, before Moses was, before Abraham was, I am. And they're going to say, you're not a man over 50 years old. That was the wisdom of man. They were looking at the flesh saying, what are you talking about? How can you possibly be? But the wisdom of God was, I was way back there. I was before the foundation of the world. I was before there was anything. Because I was what John was speaking about. Oh. John was sitting there when he was saying that, when he was saying, before Abraham was, I am. And John caught that and wrote down John 1.1. 1, 1. The first note that was taken. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the same was made flesh and dwelled among us. Hallelujah. Now, in the same message, wisdom versus faith. It says, now then, every born-again child of God that got the Holy Spirit in you, you are a manifestation of God's spoken word before it was a word. It has to be thought before it can be a word, and that's no new concept to us. A word is a spoken thought, the thoughts of God. Then we were in God in eternity, and we were spoken into existence by the word. By what word? This word, God's word. Not a different word. It's not something that precedes us. No, it's this word that he put down in letter form. Oh, he had a Bible in the stars. He had a Bible in the pyramids. But he put it all into the spoken word. It's not three different Bibles. It's not a trinity of Bibles. It's the same word of God written in so that man can read it. Because back when it was in the stars, that's what men were looking to. That's what men were reading. So God spoke to them in a way that they would understand. Nowadays, we don't get it the same way. You go into the pyramids, that's the way it was in Enoch's time. It was understanding because it was given by revelation that Enoch built the pyramids in that way. And it was done so that way God could write his Bible in that. So it could be of understanding to the people of that day. But when the printing press came out, he put it on a letter form. When men begin to pen it before even the printing press, they would pen it on scrolls and scrolls and scrolls until finally, because God foresaw one day there'd come something that he could turn one of these things out in just a couple, couple minutes or even a few seconds. Here's the Bible. Because the stars change with the seasons. It took you at least a full year to read the Bible. Now you can sit and read it. And you're doing really good if you read it in a year. But now, oh, sorry. How did he make the world? How did God make the world? Do you believe the world was in God's thoughts? Oh, it was. How did he do it? It had to be. He just said, where, where is he going to get all the things? How could you ever reason with God? God, where did you ever get the material? How did you make the rocks? What did you do? Where'd come the gases? Where did you get the gas, Lord? How'd you get the water? The formula H2O. Where'd you get the hydrogen? Where'd you get the oxygen at? That's, see, it doesn't make sense. 
That's why man's always trying to go back in their wisdom. Was it a big bang? Was it evolution? Was it a slow creation? Was it this thought over here? Was it an asteroid? Was it, oh, pfft. it's the wisdom of man. They're just, they're probing in the darkness. They've got no idea. They weren't there. I was, okay? So I was, I was in the mind of God, so I was there. All right, so here we have it. So where did you get the formula? Where did you get the H2O? What did God say? It was in his thoughts. His thoughts is his word. That's ex it's expressed. When his thoughts said, let there be, and there was, there is where faith lays. Oh, I love this because here's what we're talking about. It's such a blessed assurance. How can we take for sure that we were in the thoughts of God? Look around you. Look at the pews that you're sitting in. They're hard as a rock. Sorry, they're hard as wood. They're oak. How, how, where did they come from? Those pews came from the mind of God that through generations and generations and generations of oak tree after oak tree after oak tree, finally there came ones that were hewn down and made into pews for a, a church that was just supposed to be a, a church right here in this community. But God had greater thoughts where he said, those pews are going to seat my bride one day. And I'll be alive because they were in the thoughts of God. Even a tree, the water, the H2O, it came from the thoughts of God. That God thought in the beginning, I'm going to make some water. Matter of fact, because there's going to be some humans that are going to be 70 plus percent water. They're going to need a lot of it, so I'm going to make a lot of it. Where did it come from? The mind of God. Praise be to God. You say, oh, the Big Bang was caused by water hitting the earth or water hitting dirt, and there was an explosion. Where'd the water come from? Where'd the dirt come from? The mind of God. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, familiar scripture to us all. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hallelujah. That, so that things which are seen were, made, were not made which, by things which do appear. In other words, it wasn't made by things that we look at and we see in these dimensions that we operate in the flesh in. That we look at and God just took something physical and something physical. No, it was by faith. Through faith, God spoke and believed his own word because it was his thoughts before it was his word. And he thought it through from the end to the beginning and back and forth till finally he spoke it out and set it into motion. Oh, my. I was thinking this morning, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, Brother Ed was speaking on it, where I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne, written on it within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. It's sealed, but who's it sealed from? It's sealed from us and from anyone except God. He's the one that wrote it. He did not forget about it. He didn't forget it. You want some proof of it? Sure. Go ahead and look at Luke chapter 10, verse 20. It says, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How did he know? Because he knew what was written on the book of life. It was sealed with seven seals at this time. It was not yet revealed to us, but he, it was him. It was him in written form in a book. That's not enough. Look at John chapter 10, verse 25. And Jesus answered them, I told you, 
And you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but you believe me not because ye are not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. How in the world does he know them? Because they were in his thoughts. He spoke it. He might have sealed the book up, but it wasn't sealed to him. That's why he was always worthy to take the book and to loose the seals because it was him. Hallelujah. He couldn't be counted unworthy. He could not have failed. It's rigged. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's got a cheat code in the game. It's rigged. Well, because he couldn't have failed, because he knew that sealed book was himself. He was the perfect attribute to loose the seals. Hallelujah. In fact, it was written in that book that there would come one. To take the book and to loose the seals. Why was John weeping? Because John, it wasn't revealed to him yet. It had to be a revelation to him that he could have faith and believe that Jesus was enough. God is the author of faith. Satan is the author of wisdom. Man's wisdom. God gave his first children his word and told them that they must believe it and put a death separation punishment if they failed to believe it. And Satan come around and tries to offer Eve wisdom. You'll be wise and such not. Wisdom comes from the devil. He is the author of wisdom. Now, of course, anything that the devil has is a perversion of the original. Sin is a perversion, a perversion of righteousness. Adultery is a perversion of a legal act. A lie is a perversion of the truth. Praise be to God. There you go. You can go ahead and tell all the scientists that. All the wisdom you got is a perversion of what I got. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because that's all it is. All that wisdom that Satan has is a perversion of the wisdom of God. Because God's the original creator that said, let there be. And he understands how it's all working. But it's working because he thought it through. And so that the wisdom that I, that I want you to get straightened on this before we start. There's a wisdom of God. A wisdom of God. And that, that wisdom is to stay with his word. But Satan in his wisdom tries to twist the word so that the wisdom I'm speaking of. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. I want you to see something here. I was scrolling around yesterday on a, on a Bible app that I have and seen there was some commentaries by different theologians. So I pulled up James chapter 3 and I started listening to one of them. I made it about five minutes in before I started laughing. I said, come on, man. It's so subtle how the devil operates. Because he would take Proverbs, he took Proverbs chapter 8, it actually originally came from Dr. Dobson, where he took Proverbs chapter 8 and said, this is the original creation. Where before, because he would ask the people, what was the first thing created? They said, well, of course, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens. Right? That's what it says in, in Genesis 1-1. Thank you. But now he says, Dr. Dobson says, oh, no, 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 Proverbs chapter 8. Talks about a creation before that, way in the beginning before there was. And it's so subtle. Because Proverbs chapter 8 is talking about wisdom. And he says, wisdom was the first thing created. I said, okay, well, there's two problems with that. Number one, he would say, number one, you could take it two different ways. And Excuse me, I'm just going to explain this a little bit. He'd say, you can either take this, that Proverbs chapter 8 is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the personification of wisdom. 
Okay, fair enough. Therefore, Jesus was the first thing created. So, well, first of all, I can't swallow that because then you got God creating God. And therefore, one's inferior to the other, and it doesn't run through the scripture. So I can't accept that. That exposes the Trinity. Number two, he begins to say, okay, but I take it a different way, which is this chapter, which we're going to read it, is actually a third person writing. It's wisdom talking about itself. Where wisdom was the original creation of God. I said, okay, I take, I take problem with that too because there's a reason I take problem with that. And that's because that's to say before wisdom was created, God was stupid. So if that's the way you view God, you got some problems there. You're telling me God had to create wisdom before he could be wise. So now, that's the subtlety of the devil. Because it sounds okay if you really start to think about it. Yeah, wisdom was the first thing created that God created it. And there was, he was so wise and the word of God was God's wisdom going out. And it was just a wonderful thing and everything was great. And here was the personification of Jesus. Oh, it was just wonderful. And he said, wait a minute. It doesn't quite add up. Something that doesn't quite make sense. I, I'm so thankful for a prophet because it's not me that figured it out. It's the word of God that came to a prophet. That came and preached a simple message. If you ever fail, come back to this message. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. It wasn't even a creation. There's nowhere in this chapter that talks about a creation. That's the part that really boggled me. But let's read it. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 1. said, doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice. She standeth in the top of the high places, in the way of the places of the past. She crieth in the gates at the entry of the city, at the coming and at the doors. At the doors, unto you, O man, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, O ye, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the openings of my lips shall be right things. And it goes on until... We'll just jump down now for sake of time to verse 19. It says, And my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the pass of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. And the Lord possesses me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. And I was set up from everlasting from the beginning forever the, earth, forever the earth was. Now, they take this verse and they say, see, it was created. I was set up. If you actually even just go back just to an Amplified Bible where it talks about it, it says this. It says this. It says, I wisdom was inaugurated and ordained from everlasting from the beginning before there ever the earth existed. It also references John 1.1 1, 1 and 1 Corinthians 1.24. I want you to catch this for a minute because inaugurated means to be inducted into office with appropriate ceremony. One God in three offices that he inaugurated a sonship. He inaugurated a Jesus Christ that it was God stepping down and into the office of a son. Brother Bam would talk about it, that grave before he was even gone. There was spit out like a light. The Logos coming forth to do what? To do the work of creation. And what was that? It was God stepping into the office of a son. It wasn't a creation. It was all that God was poured into Christ. It was everything that he was. It was all of his power, all of his word, so that he could speak and it happened. Hallelujah. 
It was an inauguration. It was an ordination. In other words, it was an appointed institute, instituted and established. Hallelujah. That before even time began, there was an establishment of God in three offices. God established himself that I am the Father, I am the Son, I am the Holy Spirit, I am one God, I am Jehovah, I am the Lord, that is my name. Furthermore, it was an appointment of times and seasons, and it was an institution, a commencing is what an institution is, a commencing of the economy of God. It was God speaking, and out of that, out of what God spoke, it wasn't foolish talk. It was wisdom that was spoke forth. It was Jesus Christ that was spoke forth to do the work of creation. So I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning forever the earth was. Then, there, when there was no depth, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, the, before the hills was I brought forth. Well, as yet ye, he, had made, he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above and he strengthened the foundations of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree and the water should not pass this commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Hallelujah. This isn't another entity. This is the words of God going forth. God delighting in his words. Rejoicing in the inhabitable part of the earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. And therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, and blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at the gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let me ask you, which one finds wisdom and they find delight? No, it's talking about something deeper, something greater. Compare that now over to Hebrews. We went to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, you jump down to verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But back in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 35, it said, Whosoever findeth me findeth life and hath obtained favor with the Lord. Hold on a second. I found a contradiction. One says wisdom, one says faith. Both of them please the Lord. Without this one, it's impossible. But without this one, with this one, you've pleased them. Now we've come to a dilemma. I know you all know the end answer, right? But Adam would say, if you can't see Christ in every verse of the Bible, go back and read it again. It's not talking about something different. Christ is the mystery. This only proves John 1 and 1. Because this is talking about in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was wisdom. 
Before there was an earth, before the earth was ever set up, there was something that came out of God. It was the wisdom of God that began to come out. And John took that. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's what came out. And then begins to put the two together. What is it? It's, it's faith in Jesus Christ. Where he says this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. For we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That's what the scriptures have always done. Speak the wisdom of God in a mystery so that it can be to those who can receive it. Because it is a revelation. It has to be revealed by somebody. Being the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians before we move on. 1 Corinthians, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Oh, we rejoice in this. We're looking forward to a day. To go to the other side to see the things that God has prepared for us. But now I want you to see it in a greater light because this is not the context that this is speaking of. Because you got to look at the very next verse. In verse 10, Sister Ruth, where it says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. What's he talking? Saying the wisdom of God. We spoke it to you in a mystery. And it's so great. It's so powerful. It has not even entered into the mind faculties of man to begin to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ. But to you, he says, to you has he revealed it to you by the Spirit. Uh, For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Oh, hallelujah. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. That's why these things could not be made known to this day. Because it was the spirit of God that couldn't move until this day. Until the fullness of the word was revealed so that it could come and the spirit comes to the word. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God, which things we also we speak, not in the words which, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but they, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Oh, praise the Lord. This is why we're so keen, church, to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot understand the program, the economy, the wisdom of God without the leadership of the Holy Spirit to be our God. It's not about, oh, we see something going on. We ought to deal with it in this certain way. It's, Lord, what would you have me to do about it? What would you have me to say? What would you have me, your timing and your season? Oh, my, I hope we have time to get into that. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody ever knows it. No, that's not what it says. But we have the mind of Christ. 
Let the same mind that was in Christ. Oh, you heard it last Sunday night. Let go and let God. Let, let, let the mind of Christ. That's no, not a workup. It's not a, oh, thank God for last Sunday. Some of you all got a dam buster. Done broke the dam out. Done broke the logs out. Don't put them back in. Don't let the devil build the dam back up. See, actually, it was kind of pretty. I kind of liked it the way it was before. No, don't let Satan do that to you. Keep it out. Keep the waters flowing. Let the Holy Spirit continue to move through you and use you every day of your life. Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke chapter 7. We're moving good. All right. I want you to notice something of the wisdom of God and how a natural man cannot, cannot understand spiritual things. Luke chapter 7, let's just start at verse 40. This is where Jesus comes into the house of Simon. We find they didn't wash his feet. They didn't kiss him welcome. They didn't give him a robe. They didn't do anything for him. They just sat him down in the corner and tried to forget about him. But they wanted him there anyways because... He did end up calling him master. Called him master, which is teacher. Master say on. He had some respect to him as far as who he was, but no respect to him or the office. But Jesus answered, saith unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. I got somewhat to say unto thee. What a thought. And he saith, Master, say on. So there was a certain creditor which hath two debtors, and one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which, one of, which of them will love, you, love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom forgave the most. And Jesus said, thou hast, judged, thou hast rightly judged. Now, that's correct. He has rightly judged, except for Simon's looking just on the natural. Simon's looking simply at the natural, and he's missing the point here. Because, listen, Jesus begins to say, there's two guys here. One of the most 500, one of the most 50. Now, it seems like the one that owes more, right? That he's got to be under so much stress. But the next verse says, neither of them have anything. They both have nothing. In other words, it doesn't matter if you owe 500, 1,000, or one. You got Nothing. So, of course, it will be that the, the, to whom that, 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 that owes more and is forgiven more, he would be more grateful because he realized in his nothing, I, I've really got, there's no way I can get to 500. And the one that says 50 says, well, at least I only owed him 50. But to him, the, Jesus would say that, that little is forgiven, little loveth little. But we find here that even now, these two men that he's talking about in, in a parable form, and they, they both didn't have anything. We can take that spiritually. Now where he begins to recognize something, he says, one owes a lot. Here's, here's Jesus being to say, listen, Simon, this woman, she owes a lot. You don't owe a whole much, but both of you got nothing. <laughs> Simon thinks, I got something. I'm somebody, I'm a priest, I'm a teacher, I'm somebody, I've got a future. I, got, I know the word, I live it to the letter. I know all these things. Jesus says, you ain't got nothing. You got nothing but the wisdom of man. 
But then Jesus goes on and says, Thou hast judged rightly. He turned to the woman, Seest thou this man, this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, and thou washed that, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I have come, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which were many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, thy sins are forgiven thee. And they that were sat at me within, with him began to say within themselves. In other words, they began to think. Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And Jesus immediately perceived their thoughts. And saith to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now watch this wisdom of God as he begins to, to point out to Simon in parable form to say, Simon... You've got a lot of man's wisdom. And all of that amounts to nothing. But here's a woman that has nothing. But she has something more than you have because she has faith. She has something of no value in the world, but it's of great value to me. When they begin to look at him and say, how can you forgive sins? He changes the wording and says, thy faith. Not thy wisdom or your acts that you've done, but your faith. Because you believe that I was worthy, that you believe that by doing this, you would receive a blessing because you believe that you believe that I am something more than just a teacher or a master, that I'm worth your time to come and to wash my feet with the tears and to dry them with the hairs of your head and to kiss my feet and to anoint them with expensive alabaster oil. It says your faith has saved you. Praise be to God. He wasn't looking for a moment at Simon. Simon, you don't know an awful lot, but you don't have anything to pay it with. All of your teaching amounts to wisdom of man. But there's a woman here who doesn't understand a thing that you understand, but she's got faith. Hallelujah. She might have never heard the same scriptures that Simon was teaching in the temple. She might have never been able to understand and look and talk about the one who would hang on the cross and who would not have any bone of his body broken and they would crown him and oh, he was bruised for our iniquity and by his stripes were healed. He, she might have never heard that. But something in her was striking down saying this one, this is the Lord. I don't, she didn't even understand what she was doing. I don't think she had a clue what she was doing. But there was something in her that was driving her, pushing her. It was a faith that was in her that said, there's no wisdom that can understand it. And it looks foolish. Perhaps it was the most inopportune time to do it. It was during the feast of these high people. Think of it. This was a great feast. They were just having a lovely time. And these were posh people. that They were looking at him saying, don't they know who this woman is? Who let this woman in? She's a woman of ill fame. She's a sinner. Don't they understand who she is? Who let her in? Go talk to the ushers, man. Why'd you let the sister in? What do you think you're doing? They're totally missing what's happening. But there's something in her that says, I don't care what the timing is. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care the circumstances. But I got to get close to him. And this natural man in Simon, he totally missed what was going on. No matter how plainly Jesus spelled out the wisdom of God, it was still confusing to him. It was still confusing that he still looked at it and went, 
She's a sinner. How do you forgive sin? What? Why? Oh, my. Verse 35 of the same chapter says, Wisdom is justified by her children. The wisdom of God is justified by the children of darkness. Brother Branham says it this way. He says, friends, isn't it, brother, said to me tonight, he said, listen, unless God shows me, I'll speak what he says. When he doesn't speak, I'll keep silent there because I'm a minister. I believe in God. And the things that I speak of is the truth. God testifies of it. I'm not here to clown before people. I'm here to serve God and do what God says. Jesus one time had a rag put around his eyes and some, and some of the same type of people smote his face, said, now if you're a prophet, why don't you tell us who smote you? He never opened his mouth or said a word. Wisdom is justified by her children. That's right. Oh my, the acts of them, why? Her children, the children of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What do they want the wisdom of God for? To clown for them. To act for them. They wanted it in Brother Branham's day when Brother Branham was here and God was using him. Well, let me cut off this one's arm and show him, show me, do you, you show me a miracle. Show me something healer. Show me this, show me that. What was it? The, the children of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they want the wisdom of God for a clown. They want it for an act. They want it for a show. They got all kinds of show. They got America's Got Talents. Britain's Got Talent. Why? Because they want a show. They want to be entertained. They, got, they want to see the next thing. They want to see the next magician. They want to see the next wizard. They want to see the next one come out. Why? Because they want a show. God doesn't operate in a show. God operates by faith. Oh, my. Be in prayer, Brother Branham says. Be sincere. Have faith and believe, and God will perform these things. You must come reverent with spiritual faith, not wisdom in your heart, or God can't do nothing for you. The more humbler you get and the less you know about the things of the world, the better off you are in the sight of God. Amen. The greatest success I ever had was amongst people who hardly can read and write. But now I'm not trying to support my ignorance of prejudices, he says. But I'll say the biggest hindrance of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has ever been has been the modern day education. That's exactly right. Even in the ministry, they've explained everything out of the Bible. The blood, the days of miracles, the powers, it's all explained out. Oh, but dear friends, don't you know that worldly wisdom is the thing that destroys the world? In the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. One of them was the tree of life. When he eat of that tree, he lived forever. The other was the tree of knowledge. That tree was death, which was the tree of sickness. It caused the whole world to be thrown into chaos. Why? Because they took the wisdom of man. Eve believed the wisdom of man through Satan that came down and said, but you'll be of God, and she believed it because it made sense in the mind. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Skip a few things here for the sake of time. Are you with me still? Amen. Amen. 
Don't worry about it, brother. It's okay. We're here to serve the Lord. Not to understand everything. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 6. Verse 7, sorry. It says, in whom, in Christ, in whom we have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now we begin to talk about the wisdom of God. Where he says, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. That's not the wisdom of man. That's now the wisdom or the economy of God. That he begins to display his wisdom showing forth his will. Amen. That he begins to make it known through Jesus Christ. According to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one. All things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are in the earth. Even in him. Oh praise be to God. That's what he's uh, Christ is the mystery of God. The Word. He's gathering together those that are found in Him, born of the Word, the incorruptible seed of God. Are you with me? Now, the wisdom of the Spirit. Because we find in 1 Corinthians 12, you don't have to turn to it, but it would talk about how there's gifts of the Spirit, and one of them is one would speak words of wisdom. Not the wisdom of man, now the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the Spirit, a gift of wisdom, is nothing more than a personal revelation of the revealed Word in its season. In its season. Could you imagine a brother were to come to me and say, Brother Andrew, I'm looking... For a wife, I got this certain interest and everything, and I start to turn to him and say, yeah, that's lovely. But you know, when you have children, you should really help your wife with changing the diapers, you know, and you should help her with this and that. Because she'd really appreciate it. Well, it might be good wisdom, maybe, to help something like that. But it's kind of out of season. He came to me for advice on getting a wife. Amen. And I turn around and say, yeah, when you have children... It's out of season. He says, well, I'm talking about the step before, Brother Andre. I need advice on the step before. Not that. That's the wisdom of God. It's always in season. The wisdom of man is always looking to some future, something far off. The wisdom of man saying, listen, we got to save the earth because in 10 billion years the sun's going to explode. I think we're out of season here. They get so out of season on so many things. Men, they look at great men that are, that are so much before their time. That do great exploits in the, in the natural and they discover great things. But they're looked at as, as crazy. It's so much before their time. It's not in the season. But the wisdom of God comes in its season. Why? Because... Back in the day of Pentecost, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But yet it wasn't rapturing faith. 
Because it wasn't in its season. They had the word being preached to them, and it was great. And there was thousands being added to the church, 3,000 on the first day. Great outpouring. And there was faith, and we need to be turned back. We have been turned back. from The, the children have been turned back to the faith of the fathers. But now we're not going back to what they had. The experience is good, but we're not going back to the revelation they had. Because it wasn't until the last days that all the mystery of God would be revealed. It wasn't at the first day that all the mysteries were revealed. Paul says, I'm speaking to you the, the will of God or the wisdom of God in a mystery. Because it was still a mystery to him. He couldn't understand it all. And he couldn't speak rapturing faith because it wasn't in season yet. But now that all the mysteries have been revealed, we've received a rapturing message to bring rapturing faith. Because now is the season. Praise be to God. Could you imagine God bring a message of a rapture and talk about how we're coming to a rapture and bring what Brother Branham brought back in Paul's day? You'd have 2,000 years of disappointment because it was not yet the season. Praise be to God. But the wisdom of God was to build the church little by little, unveiling himself, revealing himself, and bringing him more step by step, step by step, up through the ages till now there's a bride that's waiting on the revelation of the rapture because faith is a revelation. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith is a revelation. The wisdom of God is a revelation of his will. You see, the time is at hand. The time was not at hand previously in the wisdom or the economy of God. This mighty revelation, though fully known of God. It wasn't that God was just discovering something now. No, God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. It was always known to him, could not come forth hitherto. Thus, we immediately learn this principle. The revelation of God for each age can come in that age only. And at a specific time, look at the children of Israel. The revelation of God to Moses came only at a specific time of history. And even more specifically, it came as the people cried unto God. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you catch that. It wasn't just that it came at a specific time, but it was the specific time when the people were crying out for that revelation. Oh, you say, I want to go to rapture. When's the time when the people begin to cry out? Jesus himself came at the fullness of the time. He, bring to bring, he brings a complete revelation of the Godhead. And in this age, Laodicea and the revelation of God will come in its due time. It will not alter, neither will it be premature. Think on this and heed it well. For we are in the end time today. Faith is a revelation of the will of God. The Bible says that in the message, anointed ones of the end time. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Listen, in the message of the Sardisian church ages, I'm, I'm trying to close. It says, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ doth have both died and rose and revived that he might be, both, be Lord both of the dead and living. 
He says ownership, not relationship is meant. He has ownership over both the dead and the living. This is set forth in John 17 too, that as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life unto as many as thou hast given him. For if we impute omnipotence, we must also accept that he, Christ, is perfect in understanding and righteousness. Perfect in wisdom and righteousness. This plan of election and reprobation is the wisdom of God revealed in all ages. Hallelujah. This plan of election was the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man says that if we just do good, I'll make it to heaven. The wisdom of man is that the great people should make it to heaven. But the wisdom of God said, by election, by predestination, I will choose because I know those that are mine. I know what they will do. I, by, by, oh my. By my foreknowledge, I know those that are mine. You cannot know I could pluck them out of my hand. Hallelujah. As it says in, in Ephesians 1, 3 to 11, as we read that, that he reveals to us his will. He reveals to us his wisdom. That God, by election, chose us. Let's go to one more place. Just be a short reading. Psalms chapter 119. Hallelujah. Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole chapter. But there is nothing of greater value, of greater comfort than the Word of God. Here David begins to write the longest of Psalms. The longest chapter in the Bible. And the entire uh, chapter begins to revolve around one thing. And we'll just pick it up in verse 9. We'll jump throughout it. Verse 9 says it this way. With all, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 16 says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 17 says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Praise be to God. He begins to tap into something just like it was Solomon tapping into it in Proverbs saying, there's wisdom. There's something that's greater. There's something that goes beyond the foundations of the earth. That is a delight of the Lord that we need to tap into that. If we found it, we found delight with God. And now here's David writing the same thing in Psalm form where he begins to write these things in verse 25. My soul cleaveth to the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Verse 28 says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Verse 38 says, Establish my word. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. 
Verse 41 says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Hallelujah. Not according to my desire or how I want it or my wisdom, but according to thy word, Lord. Let me have faith in thy word. Strengthen me according to thy word. Verse 42 says, So shall I have wherewith to, to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. And take not thy word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Verse 49 says, Remember the word unto thy servant, which thou hast caused me to hope. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we could talk about Abraham for hours now. <laughs> hallelujah. That Abraham against hope believed in hope. Why? He had the word of God to give him faith for a child, no matter what the wisdom of man said. Verse 57, thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said what I have, that I have kept thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I hope you're not getting sick of this because I'm not even halfway through this chapter. It says thou, verse 65, thou hast dealt with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. God doesn't deal any other way. Only according to his word. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I have learned thy statutes. Oh, count your trials more precious than gold. It was good for me. The law of thy mouth, in other words, thy word is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 74 says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. Verse 76 says, Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to thy word unto thy servant. Hallelujah. Oh, that expounds it now, where now it's not just the word, but it's the word according to thy servant, the ones that came. Thy word comes to the prophet, thy servant. Let that be my comfort. Let that be my strength. Verse 81, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in the Lord, in thy word. Verse 89 says, even forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Hallelujah. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Verse 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. 116, Uphold me according to thy word that I may live. Let me not be ashamed of my hope. Verse 136, Rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy word. My zeal, verse 139, hath consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Oh my, verse 154, plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to my, thy word. Verse 158, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Well, that's a fantastic revelation right there. He says, I wasn't grieved by the transgressors because they didn't do what I said them to do. Or because of what I think is right. But I was grieved because they didn't keep the word of the Lord. 
Let that be our our moral. Let that be our statue. Let that be our our guide. Lord, let your word be what, if someone does not keep this, let me be grieved. Not just because they do something I don't agree with, but if they don't keep this, let me be grieved. Verse 160 says, the word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. 169 says, let my cry come nearer before thee, O Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. Verse 170, let my supplication come before thee, deliver me according to thy word. Hallelujah. That's the longest chapter in the Bible in a nutshell right there. Lord, deliver me according to thy word. Lift me up according to thy word. Let thy word be my moral. Let thy word be my statue. Let thy word be all, my all in all. Let thy word be my wisdom. Let thy word be my faith. Let thy word be what I have uh, meditated in day and night. Let it be the lamp unto my feet. Let it be a light unto my path. Let it be everything that I have. Hallelujah. Oh, but Brother Andrew, I want more of the anointing of God. Get more of the word, you'll get more of the anointing. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Lord, deliver us according to thy word. Let's stand to our feet. Wisdom, wisdom of the Spirit is a personal revelation of the revealed Word of God in its season. It's not that there's some wise person, wise old sage that just knows everything, has years of experience. No, but as God begins to impart a revelation of Jesus Christ, saying this is wisdom. That's what it was to Solomon when Solomon began to write in Proverbs about wisdom. How it was before the world was. The Lord delighted in me. It was before all of these things. It was before man. And if I find wisdom, I found favor with God. What does he begin to write about? He's saying there's something about it. Because Solomon, his wisdom he had was not the wisdom of man. The wisdom that Solomon got was because he prayed. And God said, what would you want? He said, Lord, give me wisdom. Whose wisdom was it? It was the wisdom of God imparted to a man. When he began to recognize, he couldn't put it in words, but he wrote all the way around it. He just wanted, it was like Solomon just wanted to write in Proverbs. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God made manifest. That part wasn't in his season yet. But when the fullness of time was come, the time of the sacrifice was come. Then he'd come down and say, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm the one that was in the burning bush. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Why? Because it was now in its season. Hallelujah. He couldn't reveal it. He couldn't reveal rapturing faith. He couldn't reveal uh, uh, what is the attraction on the mountain. The, the, the word of God being revealed in its fullness and entirety. He couldn't reveal that in Luther's day. All he could reveal was the just shall live by faith. They had to take a step. Of faith. Amen. So all that they'd ever known and all that ever was was the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church will kill you if you say anything else. But they had to take a step of faith. Amen. Say, but the word says. Amen. 
and God will back that up because they weren't standing on a step of faith with their own understanding and their own wisdom trying to organize, saying, how do we go about this? we got to hide here and hide there. No, they said, this is what the Word says. i got to preach it from the housetops. i got to say it from wherever I could say it. Come death, come life, come whatever it may be. It's the Word. I've got to speak the Word. That was the season. And then a season came in Wesley's day where it had to go about. It was the anointing of a man that had to go and he would ride on horseback over and over and he began to bring a greater revelation of sanctification and it began to be a greater season because that was the season for that the people could receive it. But they couldn't receive the gifts yet. It had to come to a season of Pentecost where God could restore the gifts. It was in its season where the people could understand it, catch it, and they could use it. But then there came another season which became the bride age where now he's saying, I'm calling a bride. And the last messages that Brother Brown began to speak, the ones in Pentecost that didn't catch the season changed. Look, they said, oh, he went off. But God said, no, it's a changing of the season. There's another season coming in. There's a fullness of the word being revealed because I will have a word bride. Hallelujah. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say. 